Hi, I'm Karen, and this is The Divine Feminist, a podcast about putting the magic and the common sense of balance back at the very centre of our world, and along the way reconnecting with the perfect spark of usness that's always been waiting outside of the boxes and the shoulds of society, ready to bring us back, back to ourselves. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's get going. Hi, and welcome to episode two of The Divine Feminist. Thank you so much to everyone who took the time to not only listen to the introduction, but also to get in touch or to share it on social media. As excited as I am about this podcast, putting it out into the world has been one of the scariest things I've ever done. So it was so wonderful to hear such lovely feedback on it. Thank you so much. Getting back to today though, The Divine Feminist Podcast is all about reconnecting to ourselves and the world in order to find the most perfect balance for us in all ways. So I thought I'd kick things off properly with something I've found to be one of my most important lessons when it's come to reconnecting with myself. And something that I often think is one of the fundamental values underpinning all of the work that I do. A good few years ago now, I remember someone asking me which one rule I'd enforce if I was in charge of the world. I said what I thought was a pretty simple but important one. Treat others as they would like to be treated. Now, I stand by the fact that's a pretty good rule. After all, imagine what a lovely place the world would be if we just respected and cared for each other as we all wanted to be respected and cared for. But over the last few years, I've decided I don't think I could stick to just one rule if I was in charge of things. I don't mean that in some sort of dictatorial way. And I'm definitely not going to come up with a full wall of legal declarations a la Dolores Umbridge. But I think I'd add one more rule to the list. The second one would be to own your own shit. I know, that sounds a little bit harsh, but just let me explain. You see, for starters, in my work with clients, I've noticed more and more that once people start to really own their own stuff, that's when the magic starts to happen. They start to heal and their lives start to change. Even more than that, Something I'm recognising in the world more and more every day is just how much we tend to suffer when someone, be that ourselves or another person who impacts us, refuses to own their own shit. Not that I can say I blame any of us for that. Making the decision and doing the work to own your own stuff isn't as easy as it sounds, especially given the imbalanced nature of the world nowadays. But we divine feminists, we're all about redressing that balance and stepping up to make changes. And a big part of that involves owning our own shit. So what does that mean? Because to me, there are five things. Accepting that we have the power to change our lives. Recognising what's ours and then working on or healing that. Taking responsibility for our own actions, the good and the not so good, and for our own boundaries. Being honest about what we don't know. And owning the good in ourselves, as well as the bad. So where do we start with that? Well, I guess we start at the very beginning of that list with that recognition that our lives are ours to control. I know it sounds so simple when I say it like that and yet in practice it's not. I've been stuck, we've all been stuck in those places where we genuinely felt because of circumstances, time, our physical health, money, 
all manner of other factors. There is absolutely nothing we can do to change our lives. And you know, sometimes there is nothing we can do to change our physical circumstances in that very moment. But there's always something we can do at the very least to change our outlook. I know, I know it sounds really twee, but sometimes it's about going outside, taking a breath of fresh air, and maybe just coming back to things with a new outlook. It might not change exactly what's going on in that moment, but it will change the way we view it. And that in itself is a huge power. That said, of course, sometimes we do have the power to change things tangibly. Maybe by going out there and seeking new opportunities, new teachers, new places, new ideas that we haven't considered before. Maybe just by doing something completely wild. Sometimes there's nothing better to do than grab a piece of paper and think about all the ways that you could possibly change your situation. And yeah, 99% of them might be absolutely wild and things you're never going to do. But in there, you might just find one gem, one gem that you hadn't considered before and you realise you could do that could make all of the difference. The fact is that the world likes to tell us that we don't have any power. The world likes us to believe that there are only certain people in certain circumstances, most of which are bloody difficult to obtain, who have the power to change anything, the power to do anything. But it's just not true. While we can't control absolutely everything in our lives, we do have the power to write our own stories. Many, many of us have the power to live life from the perspective that matters to us. And although it can be seriously bloody difficult when adversity comes our way or when we've been ground down to feeling like absolutely nothing, it's important that we remember we have power. It's important that we remember that there's almost always a choice. It's important that we remember we were never put here just to be supporting actors in someone else's story. We were always put here to be the lead characters in our own lives. And it's so important that we take that role, step into that spotlight and do what we can to change life in the way that we need to when it needs to be changed. I read something on Instagram recently, that paragon of all wise words, that said, an unhealed person can find offence in pretty much anything someone does. A healed person understands that the actions of others have absolutely nothing to do with them. And each day, you get to decide which of those you'll be. I'm not sure who wrote that quote originally, but the words ring more true to me every single day. After all, how many times have you had a conversation with someone, or even just read a post online, which has offended you so incredibly deeply, made you so angry or so upset, only for you to share it with someone else and have them say, right, so... Nowadays, we use the word triggered a lot. And when we're talking about that in relation to the triggering of deep traumatic wounds, it makes perfect sense. But a quick skim through the responses to some of the amazing activists, healers and teachers I follow on social media will tell you that's not always how the word is used. Often, nowadays, we use triggered to mean this upset me because it touched a nerve that I'm not willing to deal with yet. So instead of doing that, I'm going to deflect it straight back at you and tell you that you are wrong. You have made me angry, you have made me upset and you are a bad person. Let's be honest, we've all been there. A few years ago, I used to find myself getting upset on social media. Every single year come Mother's Day. I'd see posts about how you don't know love until you're a mother. How you don't realise what it is to be tired until you have children. And I'd get really, really frustrated. Really, really offended. And I mean, there are bits of that I stand by. Of course we know love, it's just a different kind of love and 
goodness, I can definitely say I've been tired, particularly since I have a dog who didn't sleep through the night for the best part of four years. But that's beside the point. What I realized was that a lot of these things that I was feeling, the frustration, the anger, the sadness, they weren't down to these posts. They certainly weren't down to the recognition of these amazing women who are mothers. Because let's be honest, so many mothers out there are fabulous and deserve stacks of recognition for the amazing things that they do. What they were down to was the fact that I was not a mother. Not of a human baby anyway. That I've always dreamed of being a mother. And that so far, at 36, I don't have children that I call my own yet. And every year around Mother's Day, I'd be feeling really sad about that. Really disappointed. And I guess in a way, like I just wasn't enough. It took me recognising that, owning those feelings when they came up, and then working on that pain, and the disappointment, and the frustration, and reminding myself of all the reasons that I am enough, children or no children, in order to be able to see those things and not have that immediate lash-out response that was actually, if we're honest, quite negative. Am I telling you that I don't still want to be a mother? No, it's definitely something that I hope is in my future. Am I telling you that there are days when I don't still sit there and think, oh my goodness, these posts make me feel so inferior? Not at all. Every now and again they do. But now I recognise those feelings as being mine. They're not the fault of the person who posted. They're not the fault of the wonderful mother that they were directed at. They're not even the fault of me. But they are mine to own, to work with, and to move forward with. The disappointments life sends our way can be tough. The experiences we've had in the past can be painful. And the stories we carry forward into our today, maybe even our tomorrow, can be seriously bloody heavy. And so we have to go easy on ourselves when the pain of those stories rears its ugly head in the form of anger, upset, frustration, betrayal, or just the idea that we're not enough. But that's not to say that these experiences give us carte blanche to lash out at someone else and hurt them with the pain that we carry. And it's definitely not to say that those stories and experiences and disappointments have the right to be carried around with us like some sort of unseen baggage that just lashes out and upsets and hurts us when we least expect it. Instead, what if we felt the feelings that these things brought up for us and then saw them as an opportunity to step back and reflect on what they're all about? That doesn't have to mean diving into the deepest depths of our subconscious, unless you want to, of course, albeit with the right support. It's just about very simply asking ourselves, wow, what was that all about? And then stopping to see what needs to be worked through or explored to understand it better. And maybe even prevent ourselves from feeling this way again. Because let's be honest, that moment of being taken unawares by something that someone has said, which touches an unhealed wound, it's awful. It's really not pleasant. And it's not something that we want to feel. This is as important for us as it is for other people. Owning our own shit means taking the time to stop and think about our reactions to other people. And when those reactions are linked to something that's ours rather than theirs, owning that reaction and doing whatever we need to help ourselves work through that rather than simply blaming another person and dragging them down into our unhappy place just for expressing an opinion or sharing an experience. It's actually one of the first things you learn in counsellor training. I mean, in fairness, they don't call it owning your own shit there. They call it learning to leave your baggage at the door. And the theory is that if as a therapist, you're able to recognise as much of your own stuff as you can, and the stuff that you don't already know about, at least recognise how it feels when something affects you because of your wounding and your pain. You do that, and then it means that it doesn't interfere with your client sessions. 
It doesn't interfere with your responses to anything that they say and it certainly doesn't interfere with your ability to do your job. It's about keeping the client safe but it's about keeping you safe too. And while I'm not saying we all need to be trained therapists, not in any way, shape or form, I do think that's a really important skill for us all to learn. If we're going to go ahead supporting one another and if we're going to get through this life, particularly right now when the world feels like such a crazy place, without constantly feeling like we're any more under attack than we need to, without lashing out at one another and tearing one another down for things that that really aren't anything to do with them. Of course, I'm not talking there about the times that people are genuinely thoughtless or offensive. We have to be discerning with this. And when the shit belongs to other people, we absolutely don't need to take responsibility. And we're definitely within our rights to call them out, or even more. Although it's important to remember that when someone says or does something thoughtless or offensive, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not a dickhead who should be shunned by society forever. At least not the first time they've done it. Because we all make mistakes. Mobile phones and the internet mean that a lot's recorded nowadays, and we can't just brush our mistakes under the carpet and feign some sort of memory blank. But then no should we even try. That's not authentic and it's definitely not what owning your shit is about. The second part of this is in not hiding when we screw up. It's in holding your hands up and admitting when you make a mistake. And by that, I don't mean saying, sorry, I was wrong, let's all move on and forget about it, yeah? Like a lot of these YouTubers seem to have done recently when their videos have caused offence. I mean apologising, explaining why you know it was wrong and what you'll be doing differently as a result. Think about it this way, when you're really pissed about something your partner's done and they shower you with gifts, it tends not to make everything better. Instead, you might forget about what went on for a little while, bury it and convince yourself it's no big deal. But then the next time something similar happens, you'll just get pissed off all over again. Whereas, if you and your partner sit down to talk about what happened and they come to see what it was that upset you and why, well that hopefully means the situation won't be repeated and also gives you both the chance to figure out how things can be done better in future. To put it simply, the two of you could talk through it as adults, understand what had gone wrong and why that had been such a problem, and then figure out, hopefully together, a way forward that would be better for both of you, and prevent you both getting upset. The actress and activist Jamila Jamil posted a little while ago about how she believes it's really important to give people who've said the wrong thing an opportunity to make up for it. And... In the age of social media and screenshots, it's important to know that we can do that. We can give people a second chance. But this owning our own shit also means that it's important to remember that we don't have to. It's important to remember that as much as we can call people out for bad behaviour, we can also cut people out for bad behaviour. We own our own boundaries. And if someone really crosses a line, be that a public figure that we follow online or be that someone that we see regularly in our lives... If they really cross a line, if what they do is absolutely out of order, offensive, harmful even, or just categorically 100% against who we are, how we choose to live our lives, or our most fundamental values, it's important to know that we don't have to take that. There is always an unfollow button. And although there's no unfollow button in life, we still have control over our own boundaries. For the most part, we get to decide who does and doesn't come into our energy field. And while I absolutely believe that when we say or do the wrong things, we can and should take the opportunity to go off and re-educate ourselves, it's equally important to know that if we have been offended by something that someone has said or done, then not only do we not have to sit around and wait for that re-education or the reform behaviour afterwards, but 
it's not our responsibility to re-educate them. The responsibility for that lies with them, just as it does with us when we're the ones in the wrong. What we do is completely up to us. And when we're the ones who've been genuinely hurt or offended, we don't owe anyone anything. Which I guess takes us back to the very first thing I spoke about this week. The importance of treating other people not just as we want to be treated, but as they want to be treated. Because the truth is that we all make mistakes, me included, and the very nature of a mistake means that more often than not, it's completely unintentional. But that brings us to the third part of owning our own shit, knowing what we don't know. Have you ever seen the Jahari window? It's a development model which apparently got its name because the two guys who created it were called Joe and Harry. Frankly, I think that's the most scientific way of naming anything I've ever heard, but I digress. The Jahari window is a personal development tool based on a square which is divided into four sections. Those sections are the things that both you and other people know about you, the things you know about yourself but other people don't know, the things other people know about you but you don't, And the things that neither you nor other people know about you. The aim, of course, is to minimise the things that you don't know about yourself by getting feedback, by doing personal development work, so that eventually those two windows that represent the things you know about yourself become bigger and the other two become smaller. But the key there is to minimise, not to cut those two windows out entirely, because there will always be things that we don't know about ourselves, just like there will always be things we don't know about the world. We cannot know everything. And I emphasise that because I think it's important to remember that we don't know everything and nor should we try to pretend otherwise. Because that's not to say that we can just claim ignorance and say and do anything we like about the subjects we don't know about. Owning our own shit means recognising the things we know very little on and doing something about those. A few years back I kept hearing the term white privilege everywhere I turned. And if I'm honest, back then, it really frustrated me. There were definitely challenges in my story. So the idea that the colour of my skin meant I was somehow better off confused me. Why? Because I didn't know enough. Let me stop right here to say that I'm not telling you this story to suggest that my behaviour or my belief back then was in any way okay. It wasn't. And if I'm honest, I'm more than a little embarrassed and really pretty ashamed to tell this story and to admit that I didn't recognise my own privilege not even that long ago. Instead, I share this as a prime example of someone who didn't know enough and needed to go out and change that. Fortunately, I had a good friend who not only put me well and truly in my place and told me how ignorant that thinking was, but who also pointed me in the direction of some really good resources to go and educate myself, which I did. And now, as I say, I'm pretty bloody ashamed to share that that was once my view. We'll talk more about privilege and how that can be understood broken down and worked through in much more detail in future episodes. But for now, I mention it because actually privilege of any sort is a really good example of owning our own shit by recognising what we don't know and then making the effort to educate ourselves before going out there and saying or doing something that is at best unsupportive and at worst downright bloody offensive. My privileges as a white, straight, cisgender, able-bodied woman aren't to say that I've led some sort of charmed existence that's never known trouble. But they are to say that my life has been and still is a damn sight easier than it would if I were to be born a different race, my sexuality were different, I identified as anything other than the physical body I was born into, or I was disabled in some way. And when I say easier, I'm talking about the big and obvious things. 
the same-sex couples who can't hold hands in public for fear of harassment, the transgender people who are forced to use public bathrooms that aren't their own, the way that so much of the world still doesn't cater for or even respect people with different disabilities, and the fact that in so many parts of our allegedly developed world, black and brown-skinned people are still arrested, or worse, for crimes they didn't commit, and are forced to live life in abject poverty far more regularly than white-skinned people are. It goes all the way from those big things that we've all heard about and that any rational person recognises are absolutely awful to those that we privileged people rarely notice until we have our eyes open to the idea. In fact, I'd argue that the fact we don't notice them is a great big signpost to our privilege. In Rennie Edo Lodge's Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race, which is a brilliant book, by the way, she tells a story about a time at university that she was put into a group with other students And they were set off to go through, I believe it was fashion magazines or beauty magazines, and then discuss amongst themselves the media's idea of beauty and what they, and we, were being sold as the perfect beautiful woman in this case. The other students in the group were all white and came up with things like, these women all have long hair. They're all able-bodied. They all look thin. They're all wearing certain fashionable clothes. Came up with a big long list of things. But it wasn't until Rennie spoke up and said, also, all of these women are light-skinned, that the others actually recognised that. Because as white people, they would flick through the magazines and see people like them. They would turn on the television and see people like them. And because those people were like them, they likely didn't notice anything different. But you know what? That's not okay. Just looking out for a world that looks like us. Just looking out for a world that is familiar to what we know and who we are cuts out a hell of a lot of people and a hell of a lot of what is important in this world. And it's our job, not just as divine feminists, but I would argue as people, as humans, to go out there into the world with our eyes wide open. Not just for how the world is for people like us, but for how the world is for everyone. Where we don't know that, it's down to us to educate ourselves. There's no excuse. We need to be aware. We need to learn. We need to recognise the things that we don't know and go out there and fill those gaps by learning. Not learning to become an expert. We need to recognise that the experts are those people who live those lives. But still, we can learn enough to be advocates. We can learn enough to be supporters. And we can do our damnedest to learn enough that hopefully, going forward, we will always, always support rather than offend. Rennie's fellow students needed to be educated about race, clearly just like I did, just like I needed to be educated about all of the ways that I'm privileged and how life is for people who don't have my same privileges. And of course there are things we all need to be educated about too, especially when it comes to our own privilege and our own us-centric view of the world. But to me, life is about learning and so let's own our own knowledge gaps and then let's go out there and try and fill them. I've learned from some amazing people over the last few years, including Rachel Cargill, whose Unpacking White Feminism lecture was amazing to me. A lady called Amanda Jet Knox on Twitter, who talks a lot about her transgender wife and child. A colleague I worked with, who is an absolute expert in the world of diversity and inclusion, and who I'd never get bored of listening to and learning from. And Lila June, an activist and teacher who is part Native American and part white European, and talks a lot about indigenousness, working with our ancestors, and also working through the terrible things that have happened both within our own bloodlines and the wider world. There are also countless others, who I really hope that I can at least point you in the direction of, and at best maybe even get some of them on the show over the coming months. 
Owning your own shit doesn't mean that we have to beat ourselves up every single day for the things we don't know. And it certainly doesn't mean holding on to those not knowings forever. But it does mean recognising what you need to learn more about so that you can go out there and educate yourself. And then take action to spread the word too. Again, not as an expert, but to unpack our privilege. And equally to speak up and make others aware of their privileges too. And that's not something that needs a giant platform. Sometimes our best advocacy comes with the people we know. It's about advocating for the people, communities and causes that so much of the world seems desperate to either ignore or treat like utter crap, whether we're personally a part of those communities or not. And recognising that although we still don't know everything and never will, we can still learn something and use that to do our bit. Owning our own shit isn't easy. It's a continuous journey of checking in, reflecting, re-educating ourselves on the inner and the outer world and seeking insight and support from the people around us. It's reflecting on what's going on with us regularly, reflecting on our responses to things and working on ourselves and our own stuff even when it's tough. And sometimes that's about being unashamedly honest with ourselves or taking risks and putting ourselves out there in the ways we know we need to, even when that seems scary. That's not easy, but it's so, so worth it. Because the more we can own our own shit, the more we can let go of the painful responses that make daily life so tough so often. The less we carry that anxiety about something we said to someone last month and are hoping they never bring up again, the more we can learn about and respect other people in this world overall and then use that knowledge and respect to actually make a difference rather than just sitting back, feeling powerless and complaining about the world. The more we can meet our shit face to face and work with it, the less it will control us and the more in control we'll be of our words, our actions, our responses and ourselves. Not in a gripping on by the skin of your fingernails because you're terrified of what comes next kind of way, but from a truly empowered and beautiful perspective. Which actually brings me to the very last point I wanted to make today. Because you see, owning your shit isn't just about the tough things and the stuff we're not so proud of. There's definitely a flip side. Owning our own shit means owning the places where we're also shit hot. And if I'm honest, despite all my talk about this over the last little while, and my admittances that there are still bits where I have to work on owning my shit, I'm definitely better at doing that than I am at owning my shine. You know what I mean by that? The times people pay compliments and we say, oh, it's nothing. Oh, this, it was a bargain. I got it in a sale so cheaply. Oh, but what you don't know is, instead of just welcoming those compliments, accepting them as the gift and the recognition that they are, and just taking a moment to be in that light. And there are the times we're really good at something, but refuse to say it out loud. Of course, there are people in our society who are great at shouting about their strengths and positives. But so many of us have a tendency to back away and keep quiet. Refusing to hold our hands up and own our strengths, unless someone else points at us. At which point we go, oh well, I'm not that good. I mean, I can do a little bit. I'm not an expert. I know a bit. The truth is that if we want to reconnect with ourselves, we need to start celebrating ourselves. And if we want to redress the balance in the world, we need to start reminding other people that it's okay to blow their own trumpets by showing that it's okay to blow ours. That means not being afraid to hold our hands up and say, yes, I can do that and I can do it well. It means accepting compliments graciously and saying, me, I rock this and I am grateful. It's not arrogant, it's honest. It's respectful of our own selves and it's important. And with that, let me end for today with some of my favourite words ever written. A quote from Marianne Williamson's Return to Love. 
which says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of the divine. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of the divine that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Thank you so much for listening to The Divine Feminist. If you'd like to know more about today's episode, check out the show notes below. If you want to know more in general, head over to Instagram where it's at divine.feminist or to my website, karenroundtree.com slash divinefeminist. I'll be back again with another episode in two weeks. But until then, I'd love to hear from you. So please get in touch if you have any questions, feedback or suggestions of what you'd like to hear. If you don't want to miss out on future episodes, be sure to subscribe in your favourite podcast store. And hey, if you feel so cold, maybe give us a rate in there too. Ideally five stars. Until next time though, thank you and take care.